So I have to tell you this morning, um, my wife Angela has decided that we need to do new adventures. Husbands, has your wife ever told you that she wants to do new adventures? So she said, you find something for us to do, and we'll go do it this weekend. <laughs> she knows not what she does. So I was thinking we'd go to an Astros game. We haven't been to the baseball game in a while. We'd go to the Astros game. And so as I was looking in the Google for uh, things to do and, and Astros and tickets and buying online and all that, I came across doubleheader. Roller Derby. <laughs> Houston has four Roller Derby teams. I bet you didn't know this. I bet you thought Roller Derby went away with, with bell-bottom pants. Four Roller Derby teams, family, family entertainment. So I got us a reservation at a little Japanese restaurant in Bayou Place. And then right after that, I took Angela to the Roller Derby. She'll never ask me to do that again. No, seriously, we had fun. It was uh, very unusual, very entertaining. And it was, as they said, family fun, family appropriate entertainment. So if you've never seen roller derby in action, you've got to go see it. It's a spectacle. That has absolutely nothing to do with what I want to talk about this morning, but I had to share that because it was just a hoot. So the epistle this morning is from Romans 8. Paul has a lot to tell us here about choices. God gives us free will to make choices. You know that, right? And so it's our responsibility to choose rightly. Maybe not roller derby, but choose rightly. And Paul says, there is therefore no now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. That's the word of the God for the people of God. See, Paul here begins with a profound truth. And if you hear nothing else, hear this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Soak that in. For those who are in Christ Jesus... There is now no condemnation. See, Paul uses that word therefore again. Remember, every time he does that, it means homework for us. Therefore. It means we have to go back in the text to see what the therefore is there for. And in this case, the therefore refers back to what Paul wrote in the preceding chapter in Romans 7 where he teaches us that freedom from the sin nature has been given to us by God through that atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That inner conflict that we all struggle with, you know, the one where we want to do right by God, but doing just the opposite because of our sinful nature, that conflict, that conflict has been resolved with the arrival of Messiah Jesus, of Savior Jesus. And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, which is taking our sin on Himself, paying the penalty for all sin everywhere, giving us His righteousness in exchange, because of that, those who enter into relationship with Him no longer have to live under that continuous, low-lying black cloud of sin because there's a new power that's in control. And that power is the spirit of life. The spirit of life in Christ. The spirit of life in Christ came in like a strong wind and cleared the air, pushing that black cloud of oppressive tyrannical sin removing it and so because of that there is no condemnation for those who are living in the spirit that's a lot to soak in isn't it the question here this morning for us is am I living life in the spirit have I chosen to live my life in the spirit or am I still living in the flesh is my mind set on the things of the spirit or is my mind set on things of the flesh and it's an important question because the answer has eternal consequences 
The question is so important that God chose to deal with it by sending His only Son to set things right. He didn't deal with the problem in some kind of remote, unimportant sense. He didn't stay up in heaven and and say, there's a sin problem down there. No. In His Son Jesus, He personally took on the same human condition that you and I deal with every day. He became human. God became human and entered this disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. And see, that's the magnificent wonder of it all. That Jesus dealt with the sin problem by fulfilling the law of God that we in our weakness simply could not keep. And so we don't have to do anything to get into God's grace. In fact, there's nothing we can do on our own merit to get right with God. We can't be good enough. We can't be pious enough. We can't be generous enough. We can't be involved in the church enough. We can't do anything enough to earn our way into the saving grace of God because the only way into the saving grace of God is to accept, to make a choice to accept that Jesus paid it all and to choose Him as Lord. Period. No exceptions. It's the only way. You can't earn your way in. What's another way of looking at this? Well, I thought long and hard, and I think what it really comes down to, if we just simplify it down to the basics, we can look at it in terms of guilt, which is life in the flesh, or we can look at it as forgiveness, which is life in the spirit. Guilt or forgiveness. That's the choice. You can choose guilt. You can live your life in guilt. Or you can live your life in forgiveness. Seems like a no-brainer choice, but there are so many people out there that are choosing to live their life in guilt. See, with guilt, there's condemnation. There's condemnation because we owe a debt that we can't pay. But on the other hand, with forgiveness, there's no condemnation because the debt has been paid for us. Seems like such a simple choice, doesn't it? I can choose to be guilty or I can choose to live guilt-free with the forgiveness and mercy and grace of a God who loves me. So the second question is, what does guilt look like in your life? I've asked myself this question many times. What does guilt look like in my life? In my life, before I had a relationship with Jesus, guilt looked like self-absorption. My life before Christ was pretty much all about me. My wants, my desires, my needs, my opinions, my possessions. 
If I chose to do something, it was all about how it made me feel. How it made me look to other people. Even if it was something good that benefited someone else, my motive was usually not about the other person. Have you ever felt that? Has that ever been you? See, Paul writes, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle. Look how pious and righteous I am. But they never get around to actually exercising it in real life. They're all hat and no cattle. All talk. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's Spirit is in them, living and breathing. Obsession with self is a dead end, Paul says. But attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Which one would you rather have? See, focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about themselves than they do about God, and that person ignores who God is and what God is doing. And let me tell you, God is not pleased with being ignored. The thing about being self-absorbed is that while it does fall in line with who our sin nature is, that human condition we're in because of the fall, the thing is it goes against the true identity that God has for each of us. The true identity that God has for us is the one that is God-centered and not self-centered. God created us to worship Him. Because He's God. Because He's worthy of worship. He's the only one that is. And it was at His pleasure that He created us. Because He's sovereign. Because He's in charge. And because... He truly loves humankind so much so that he was willing to sacrifice his son for us. Any other gods you know of that are willing to do that? Not a one. So when we ignore God, we're ignoring our true self. We're ignoring who we were created to be. And that conflict produces guilt. It produces guilt deep within us that can only be resolved by forgiveness. We can plod along in this life being full of guilt or we can move forward into the free gift of mercy, grace, and forgiveness that God has for us. It really is your choice. Live in guilt or let God take up residence in your life and live in forgiveness. 
Paul says, But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than than of him. Anyone who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't have any idea what we're talking about here. But for those who welcome Him in whom He dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, of this fallen, broken world in which we live, even though you still experience those things, you yourself experience life on God's terms. And it stands to reason, Paul says, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus. Bringing you alive to Himself. Think about that. The same resurrection that God did in Jesus, He will do in you because you have chosen forgiveness rather than guilt. When God lives and breathes in you, and He does as surely as He did in Jesus, You are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, Paul says, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So the solution to our guilt problem, the solution to our sin problem, really is life on God's terms instead of our own. The solution to our guilt, the solution to our sin problem, the solution to all things is choosing to live our lives on His terms, in Him, through Him, which is life and peace, rather than on our own terms, which is sin and death. It really is as simple as that. It really is as simple as a choice. Self or God. Guilt or forgiveness. Bondage or freedom. Death or life. In John 10, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. He came that you may have forgiveness and have it abundantly. He came that you may have freedom and have it abundantly. He came that you may have peace and have it abundantly. He came that you may have life and have it abundantly. It's a choice. It's your choice. Choose wisely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.